0: And I um, I'm also appreciate that you slogged your way here. I'm thinking maybe the next church project that we'll be working on will be putting some docks out there where you can moor your boats. I mean, listen to me. It's been raining for two days, and I've already kind of given up. I mean, after all this beautiful, it's terrible, isn't it? Okay, so... Uh, today's the 15th, and I always have to visit Proverbs before we jump into the Word of God. I also want to say to you, um, guests, if you're visiting, um, this was family business. We do this pretty rarely, but um, you got to see a peek inside the heart of leaders here. And uh, it's not at all our, our desire to get in your pocketbook or to grab your wallet. This is family business. It's an offering. It's an appropriate thing taught in the Word of God. And uh, if the Lord speaks to somebody here to give, then 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 just do what the Lord says. That's always been our attitude. Okay, so today's the 15th. I chose verse 30. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. You Do you take your vitamins? Well, why don't you instead give good news to each other? That's better than vitamins. I don't know if it's better than vitamins or not. Today, um, today we are in the second week of a short series talking about what happens in, in life, the things that happen to us sometimes that leave our faith a little bit puzzled. We, we look at circumstances and we go, you know, what's going on? Last week we talked about um, John the Baptist and we saw that his, even John the Baptist's faith wavered even though he had seen some miraculous things, he baptized our, our, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and when he did, a dove came down, and God spoke from heaven, and, 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 and he, he, even John the Baptist, who Scripture says he leapt when he was inside of his mother's womb, when he heard the voice of Mary, Jesus' mother, when, he, when she came into the room. he leapt inside of his mother's womb because Scripture says he was filled with the Holy Spirit from before his birth. Okay, so this guy still got to a particular storm, a hard one, and his faith, his knees started doing this. And, and so we see that, um, that people, every, every one of us is not immune from, from getting to the places, you know? And, and we, so last week we talked about the question, how do we successfully live in this now that we're in, still waiting for the then? And, um, so a lot of you took puzzle pieces, you named them, and at the end of the service you brought them forward. If you were here last week, you know, and over a hundred people came forward and took a puzzle piece, kind of a silly little emblem, but a puzzle piece and said, this is what's going on with, between me and the doctor, and I trust you, God, and drop that in there. And I want you to know that um, that the prayer team does has no idea. You have not told them what was on your puzzle piece, but they have taken those things and they're praying over them. And over a hundred people did that last week and I'm so grateful. And I really believe that the Lord is hearing those prayers and yours and it'll be different because we're praying for you. And you know, um, by the way, we talked about this last week too. God's sovereignty doesn't depend on our circumstances, right? He's still on his throne. He is still on his throne. You know, and I, I talked last week about puzzles and I just wanted to kind of bring you up to speed. You know you know what this this is. This is a this is a puzzle. I brought this particular puzzle to our church staff meeting a couple weeks ago. It wasn't this pretty. It was a big mess. And I just put it on the table. And I said, hey, um, some of you who can multitask, go ahead and work on this puzzle while we do our staff meeting. And so there were several people, and they did take turns. And I found out that there are three kinds of puzzle people. you got your, you got your border people who you get all the straight edges and the corners and the border people here. I think it's a majority. Last week, we had a lot of border people. And of course, you start with the edges because that's the easiest, and, and they were working. Then you've got your other group who are the color people. No, 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 you get the same colors together, and those two groups of people they do not intersect, okay? I'm telling you, there are two philosophies. There's a third subset, which is you keep the puzzle pieces off the puzzle until you're actually going to install them. You don't sort them. I mean, I found out there are all kinds of puzzle rules. If you don't know this, get out a puzzle at your house, and you'll find out that they're all alive. And then there's another category of puzzle people, and they go, puzzle? What are you, crazy? I'm going to go watch the game. And that tends to be me. Anyway, so... Um, um, The rest of this puzzle is not lost. It's in this box. And uh, as we went through this, it's kind of a silly illustration, but we have our little puzzle pieces, and we don't understand how it fits because we don't have this, but God does. And that brings me a little bit of um, faith and a little bit of confidence, knowing that there's there's a picture here, and God knows how this fits together. We spent a lot of time on that last week, and... And we also agreed that things are not always what they seem. And uh, we see this illustrated in, in Scripture. So we had a theme verse for, for la- last week, and this is 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we'll see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then... I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. That's living in, in, in the now, waiting for the then. And the truth is that those two differences, the now and the then, it creates this tension. It creates this tension for us. You know, we have these situations that we, we don't understand and, and we're a little bit puzzled and we're waiting for the then and uh, when the things are going to make sense. There's another story that I'm going to share in the Word of God today as we're going to work on this, and this is found in Matthew. And if you didn't bring your Bible, it's up on the wall, but I encourage you to bring your Bible so you can read along. And, and, and I love it when people get on rabbit trails with the Word of God. That's good for you, better than anything I've got to say. So bring your Bible to church. Uh, Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Catch them. Remember this. Jesus made them. He compelled them. You guys go get in the boat, Okay. And go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Verse 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, here's here's the context. This boat, um, you can find in one of the other um, descriptions of the story. You can find you find out that this boat is about somewhere between three and four miles offshore, and this is on the Sea of Galilee. So, the Sea of Galilee is probably, I mean, eight miles wide, maybe thirteen miles wide. It's a big enough lake or inland sea, that, um, that you can get some pretty nasty storms out there. And so um, because of the depth of the lake and so forth, the waves, there's, there's some harmonics involved, and it can get pretty, pretty nasty out on there. And these guys have been out there, and when Jesus approaches them, it's the fourth watch of the night, so it's just before dawn. Translation, they've been out there for eight or nine hours, and the waves are pounding. This has not been an easy cruise. Eight or nine hours, they're halfway across a lake. It's been a struggle. In fact, they're fearful for their lives. And I'm guessing that somewhere along the line, these guys are thinking, okay, this is a mess. I'm in this storm because somebody else put me here. <laughs> whose idea was this anyway? You know, And where is he? Where's the guy whose idea it was? You guys go get in the boat and get across the lake. Yeah, I know it was Jesus, the teacher, the master. I mean, I know, but. Where is he? He said, Go there and look at this mess we got going on. And for nine hours, you know. And I'm starting to think whether they said those things out loud, don't you just think that at least they were thinking them? (laughs) Come on, I would be. I know you guys have got your faith together, but I would have been going, (laughs) you know. I mean, I love you, Lord, but what what if he had waited until morning or something? I just don't understand. Have you ever felt like God told you to do something and then when you did it it kind of didn't work out? I mean, you you knew God told you to step start off in some business or a job. And now you find yourself in this financial hole. Got to remember hearing your voice. This doesn't seem like I don't get it, or, or, or God told you God told you something as simple as, "Be a parent." And so you had children, and now one of your children are, is like living a life, and you're going, "This hurts? Or God says to you, "Hey, um, there's this relationship, and even though you aren't the guy that made it messed up, it's a mess, right? Yeah? Go fix it.") <laughs> Okay, and so you're trying to fix a relationship that God has told you to go fix, and it's not getting fixed because it takes two people to fix. And in the not getting fixed, your heart's going, it's, it hurts. And you have to think, you know, um, I'm in the storm, and these waves are coming over the sides. And I'm trying to breathe, and instead, I'm getting gulps full of cold water. I'm choking. This is not fun. I don't feel good about my an hour from now. Um, the waves are pounding. Did Jesus overlook? Did he mess up by sending the. I mean, what, what, what's the deal here? Let's read on. Verse 25 During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost! <laughs> they said, and they cried out in fear. It's a ghost! Seems funny to me. I don't know why. So they're out in the middle of this storm. Their boat is falling apart. It's a terrible situation. Can it get any worse? Well, yeah. A ghost could come walking out there. Who are you going to call? <laughs> <laughs> and they're afraid of the wind, and they're afraid of the waves, and now they got this supernatural, scary, creepy something. They're serious. There's a ghost coming. There, there's just, you know, now things are worse. Yeah, things can not get worse. They just got really, really worse. Is he carrying a chainsaw? You know, I don't know. (laughs) But whatever it is, this is scary to these guys. Have you been in a storm where you thought you were already on the bottom and the bottom opened up and you realize you're still falling and you hadn't got to bottom yet? They're freaking out. Afraid of the wind and the water, and now it's worse. They're freaking out because there's this storm inside their souls. Inside their souls. They've got questions. They've got doubt. They've got worry. They're fear. And actually, the storm in their souls is worse than the one that's raging around them on the water. Most of the storms in here are worse than the ones that are raging around me in the water. And Jesus, in this moment, decides to calm the storm in their soul. Matthew fourteen twenty seven. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. And that same thing happens to you and to me. We find ourselves in these storms where there's fear and there's doubt and there's worry and questions and the waves are pounding and then that storm that's inside of us gets greater than the actual storm that's raging around us. And it's important for us to understand that sometimes, sometimes God will choose to calm the storm in our soul before he calms the storm of our circumstance. You catch that? sometimes he's going to calm the storm down inside here. He's going to say, peace, be still, and know that I am God, while the waves are still bouncing over the sides of the boat. Let's take that to a logical conclusion. If the waves were not bouncing still over the side of the boat, he wouldn't need to tell you because our eyes tend to focus on our circumstances. I'm just thankful that there is no storm that's bigger than Jesus. There is no storm that's bigger than Jesus. In fact, the interesting thing here, and you know, if you get really nerdy like I could be sometimes, the very storm that was pounding their boat was Jesus' footpath to that boat. He walked on top of that storm. That's, a, that's literal and figurative, it's the pathway that got him to them. That storm. Jesus can find purpose in our storms, so He tells them, He says, "Don't be afraid." And Peter, then now Peter speaks up. Good old Pete. Verse twenty-eight. Pete and I are on first name, nickname basis, just in case you didn't know. Um, he's first name, nickname basis with you too. I'm sure when you meet him someday, I hope to, or I know I will. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, "Tell me to come to you on the water. Come." Jesus says. He says, Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, now, I don't know about you, I can't actually see wind. I can only see the effect of the wind, right? It says when he saw the wind, but I think what we're talking about here is he sees he's, 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 he's the effect of the storm, the potential for it, and it says he's afraid. Now, I'm fascinated by that. Not because... I, I get it, I, I get it, but I'm fascinated that he didn't seem to be bothered by the impossible. Hey, Lord, tell me to come out there, and I, get, I can walk on the water. It's impossible for me to do that. I can't do that lizard thing, right? But, but this is about where I got off on my rabbit trail in my study, lizards that can run. Anyway, so it amazes me that, that Peter isn't thinking about the impossible thing that he's doing because of the miraculous, Instead, he's still seeing the wind. He's walking on water, and he sees the wind. Man. Here's another thing, too. He's able to swim. Now, we know that he's not a non-swimmer, because there's another story where um, he gets called out to go. and Jesus says, hey, go drop your net on the other side. And when the, the fish get caught, it's Peter's boat. He does, he's, there, there are several hundred yards from shore in that story. I'm not going to go there because I'm on a mini rabbit trail now. But, but, what the, but if you read it carefully in at least one of the uh, Gospels that tells that story, he jumps out of the boat and swims to shore. He doesn't even wait for the boat to come back in. So he, we know he can swim. Anyway, so here, here he is. He's walking on water. He knows how to swim. He's still freaking because the wind's blowing. <laughs> he's afraid... Because in his mind, he stepped forward to a a what can happen, what can happen, what can happen. It's worse than this. It can even get worse. And his eyes are off of the one who's making him walk on water. Anyway, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Peter had come to the absolute limit of his faith. Here we see it. He is now at his limit. We've seen the edge. This is past the red line, and he's, he's there. Can't go, can't, can't, can't rev any higher. And when he begins to sink, when he, when he, when he has nowhere else to, do, to go and nothing else he can do, Lord, save me. He finally gets there. Lord, save me. And scripture says that Jesus picks him up. And God does that same thing for you and for me. He lets us walk sometimes to the very edge of our faith where we can't go any further. We get right out there, and we start to teeter, and we start to feel like we're sinking, and at that moment, God steps in and reaches in and saves us, and he picks us up. By the way, you're probably capable of going further than you think with your faith, and I think sometimes we learn that the hard way. In fact, that's how I learned it the hard way. He takes us deeper than our feet would ever go on their own. Jesus does that. He will take you someplace that you wouldn't naturally go on your own. And our faith becomes stronger in, in, our, in, in his presence. And we see that this, this truth actually got drilled down into Peter's fabric because we see this in one of the later books of the Bible um, written by Peter. There's a couple of them. One of them is called 1 Peter. And in, in verses 6 and 7 it says, In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. He's saying, hey, you're going to have some trials, but they accomplish something that's precious and something that's valuable. Okay. Uh, Verse 7 These have come, these trials have come, so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You can almost hear Peter saying, "You know, hey, don't worry about this. I can tell you this because I've had some trials before. I've been out on the water and there was wind and there were waves and then a ghost came and it was overwhelming. It got worse and, um, and I've had some trials. But that's okay because these trials are momentary. They're, they're, they're gonna pass And they're going to refine your faith. Now, I know that there are people that the Lord brought here today to hear heaven speak to you these words. Jesus' love will overtake you. Some of you need to hear that and know that truth. Jesus' love is going to overtake you and your storm right now. So Peter can say these things, you know, because he's been out on the lake, he's been in the storm, and he's seen the deliverance of God, and that deliverance is amazing. What gives him such conviction and some, such passion? It's because he'd been picked up exactly where his faith had run out. And then God carried him to a new and a deeper place of relationship with him. And Peter says, Lord, save me. Verse 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Now, the prime miracle here, obviously, is the walking on the water. That's the famous thing. That's what the paintings are all of. But... Notice that there's something else that happens. They climb into the boat and without Jesus saying a word, without him doing anything else, the storm calms down. All of a sudden, this thing that had been pounding on them for nine hours, it just stops. And I think there are many times in our lives when the storms that that, that have, have once they have accomplished their purpose, they end they descend. And what was the purpose of this storm for these guys? We find it in verse 33. Then those who were in the boat, this is the disciples, worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. And this moment, this scripture, this moment is the very first time in all of scripture where all of the disciples in one voice unequivocally said, you are the son of God. And that moment would have never happened without that storm. And that moment needed to happen because of what was coming for them. And their faith needed to be ready for what was coming. And these guys had seen him do some things. They'd seen him heal people. They'd seen him raise somebody from the dead. They'd seen him feed 5,000 people with no supplies at all. But this was different. This was personal. In the middle of the storm, Jesus had touched and saved them. And they declared it. You are truly the Son of God. And that happens in us. That's sometimes for people where this becomes alive instead of what my mom and dad believed or what somebody else around me would teach. There's purposes in our storms. I love the scripture in Genesis 50, 20. And I won't go to that. You can read it at some point. There's a great story that leads up to this, but there's a declaration in Genesis 50:20, and it's called the Genesis 50-20 rule. And that's this things that the enemy means for evil, the Lord can use for good. Amen. Evil things that happen in the world are not at the Lord's hand. But that doesn't mean the Lord can't use those and turn them into something miraculously good. Truly, you are the Son of God. None of them died. But their faith grew. Their faith grew. And When our storms, the, one, the storms that we have get surrendered to God, when we finally take that puzzle piece and genuinely say, God, and we give it to him and we mean it, those storms have now served an eternal purpose. There's something that goes deeper and stronger in our souls and our faith. Things that otherwise, sometimes our faith would just be lifeless and weak. It could even be pathetic. I mean, void of any real strength. So, so the question I'm thinking, and maybe you're already thinking this through here, is what is it for you? I mean, maybe your marriage is in a storm right now. Maybe, maybe you're drowning in some kind of an addiction. Maybe you've got a health report that's not good, and the waves of bad news just keep coming. A wave, and then another wave, and then another wave, and maybe you're, you know, maybe you've lived a little bit of life like I have, and maybe you have a list, and you can think of them of storms. And I'm going to share briefly with you two of Terry's storms I've gone through, and I'd say these these are two in my top five. And I don't rate them because I, I. I don't want to rate them. I don't want to say this is the most difficult storm of my life because I don't want to provoke heaven to let me experience something more difficult. (laughs) Okay, um, let me explain that comment. When I was in my early 20s, I thought I had my theology down pretty well and I thought I knew my relationship with God pretty well. And I understood the word of God. I understood the concept of forgiving. Right? And I had narrowed down the list of things that I would not forgive to a very small list. And I was pretty happy with that. (laughs) Until the Lord took me to those things and said, yeah, you can forgive this. And those are storms I'm not going to tell you about today. It just isn't necessary. But I'm going to tell you a couple. But the reason that I don't give them numbers, I just say that these are up the list, okay? I think you'll understand that. The first one I want to talk about is, I mentioned a little bit about this last week. Um, it was about my father. And I also I want you to know, because I have family members here, I always get permission for family members before I talk about tender things to which they're a party. I don't ever tell anybody else's stories without permission, um, by the way. Um, but... Um, Lisa and I had, um, had, we were approaching our 30th wedding anniversary. And um, we decided to make a fuss over that 30th anniversary. So we saved and saved and saved. And we decided we were going to go on this special trip to paradise. And uh, the theme was 30 days for 30 years. Sound good? What a privilege to go away to paradise for 30 days. I mean, it's, it's truly a privilege to be able to do it. So we saved, we planned, we dreamed. We even tanned in advance. <laughs> Because people that had done that before said to me, tan before you go, otherwise you'll fry and then you'll stay in your hotel room for a week and a half and waste all that money. I mean, we anticipated it. We were looking forward to it. And we had just arrived at Paradise and um, I got this message, called dad. And he had been having tests and we knew that there was some problems there, but when I talked with him, I can still hear the tone of his voice. And uh, he basically said, yeah, I've been diagnosed and I've got a form of cancer. It's bad. They've said five months. All of a sudden, 30 days for 30 years got invaded by waves. I'm thinking, I don't feel like staying here. I don't. I don't know, what should I do? And I remember him saying, but listen, don't come home. You spend this time with your wife. This is important. It's important to you. It's important to me. And it was hard to hear my father tell me, the doctor has said, there's a tidal wave coming from which you're not going to recover. Your boat's going to capsize and you're going to be done. Hard words. (coughs) And uh, it came at a time where we didn't feel like we deserved to have a storm come and it wasn't even our storm. That's selfish. I, don't, I feel like it's selfish, but it's life, right? So, of course, being a family that loved God, we did this. Okay, what are we supposed to do here? Because the word says that take, um, take your sick before the elders, the prayer of faith will raise the sick, anoint with oil, and we're going to do it and we did everything. My father was a godly man. He was generous. He was good. He hadn't met my future son-in-law, daughters-in-law, grandchildren. That was, come on. We're not ready for this. We got to get this resolved. Give me the oil. Let's slap it on there, and let's go to town. And we did that, and they did that, and they sought good medical advice, but still I found myself looking my father in the eye and saying, hey, um, is it okay if I come with you to your chemotherapy? Can I come and sit with you and spend time with you? And Yeah, I'd like that. We'd like that. So I, I went to those sessions when I could and sat with my mom and my dad and watched them try the best they could to save my father's life with solutions that didn't work. And, um, finally he said, you know what, this isn't going to change things. Let's stop. And, um, so we went down the route route, the hospice route, which, um, such godly, wonderful, nice people who cared for us and for him. And I had this conversation with him. This, I mentioned it last week, this private conversation where I looked him in the eye and I felt like I needed to, to, um, look my father in the eye and, and get down to business and, and I looked me in the eye, and I said, "Dad, are you are you scared to die?" Because I didn't want my father to be afraid. And um, he 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 wasn't. He looked at me, and he shared with me that he had had a visitation from Jesus, and Jesus had said to him, "This is going to be okay." And the result of that encounter was the same that Peter got. He pulled him out of the, the waves. And the storm became calm. And I could see in my father. He had heard the words, he would be okay. He had not heard the words, you'll be healed. That's what we want to hear. He was healed in a way. (laughs) I won't go down that road. And today, my father is okay. And that was a difficult time for my family. I mean, uh, watching... My mother navigate her mate of her life and all of the things. Um, there's a storm that did not result in what I was asking for. Here's a second story. A little better, different ending. Not better, but a different ending. We, um, our family has this thing about blizzards. Um, Not the kind where the wind blows, but the kind that you get at Dairy Queen (laughs) with the chocolate and the M&M's and never peanut butter. (laughs) And so um, we found ourselves on one of Lisa's birthdays um, deciding to go get birthday cake at Dairy Queen. So we went to Lacey. And um, I'm... I'm the, I, I go inside and Lisa and the kids are sitting in, in, in the car and so I go inside and I come out and when I come out there's this stuff going on in the car and um, Ben, our oldest, had said to Lisa, now they may correct the details here, but I, this is how I remember it Hey mom, Rachel's drooling again <laughs> 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 Don't you love being a pastor's daughter? You get to have stories told about you and um, <laughs> Um, yeah, it wasn't because she was thinking about the blizzard. She was having a seizure. And it was the kind of seizure where you just kind of lock up. And um, we, had, we didn't understand. And I asked, what's going on? And um, she was still not quite with us. And I looked at that, and we talked about it, and we said, you know what? That was a seizure. That's not that's normal. That's not normal. And we started talking, Lisa and I did, and we said, you know, this has happened a couple times before. We didn't realize it, and we started putting these puzzle pieces together. We were starting to put pieces to fit together, but we didn't see the picture. So we did what you would do. We took her to the doctor, and the doctor looked at her and said, this needs to go to specialists. And so we started seeing pediatric neurologists. That's a, that's a word that should not exist. I'm glad it does. And they did all kinds of tests and um, specialists and MRIs and strobe lights and tears and prayers and fear. And the doctor says she's got epilepsy. She's got a form of epilepsy. There's no healing this. There's no recovery from this. We can try to medicate her enough to moderate it This is going to be her life, though. Get used to it. Start preparing for it. She'll never be able to go safely swimming by herself. She'll never be able to drive a car safely by herself because if one of these moments happens, it could be deadly. She was about that. This is a picture from about that time. We're camping here, reading poetry together. I don't know who that guy is, but he's got hair and it's dark. (laughs) Um, And waves are coming over my boat. And Lisa's boat. And Rachel's this little girl, and she, she doesn't understand like you and I understand the gravity of this. And I start having these conversations with God. Now, although I was a pastor on a church staff, these didn't sound like pastor talk, okay? They were real, though. Guttural. God, I'm serving you. My family loves you. Doesn't, the pieces, (laughs) the colors don't match. This is not a border. I don't get this. And as I worked my way through my tantrums and my brokenheartedness, we also did the other things. We prayed for her and so forth. And I remember a moment where um, something of the absolute faith of God overwhelmed me as I prayed for her at one point. And I knew that I knew that I knew that the Lord had healed her miraculously miraculously. Remember, the doctor said, there's no healing for this particular type. This is the way it is. This is the way it goes. And um, so one of our appointments, I said, hey, doc, we're doing everything you've said. We're taking the meds. You could do the tests. Um, But I believe my daughter's been healed. No, she doesn't get healed. I said, yeah, but I'm a man of faith. I believe the word of God. We've prayed, and I know my daughter's healed. And I'm sure they've heard this from people before. It's called denial. And sometimes it's not, because God does heal. And I remember sitting at one point with Rachel on my lap, and we were talking about prayer, prayer, and had this conversation. And I said, "You know, I I really believe God has healed her, healed you." And her answer was, "I know, Dad." And it was a childlike faith that wasn't following this father. It was because my heavenly Father had spoken something into her heart too. We both knew. I'll cut to the chase. We went through and did everything the doctor said, and we said, she's healed. They said, no, she's not. I asked questions. What will it take for you to say she's healed? He said, give us us a list. Do this, 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 and then after this, these tests, we'll say she's healed. So we did it. It Took two years. Is she healed? Uh, Can't explain it. I said, okay, (laughs) we'll be back. We did the tests. We took the meds another year. It's gone. Doctor says, she's healed. She's healed. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. Now, why did I make my point with two stories? Why two stories? One where the storm ended when my father died. He wasn't healed. And the other where the storm ended where my daughter, my precious little girl, was totally and miraculously healed. Why two stories? I'll tell you why. In my mind, the thing is that the outcome of both of those stories is exactly the same. They're both okay. They're both a good ending to the story. I heard this song, um, and maybe it's familiar to you, it's, it's by a group called Hillsong, and the name of the song is called Oceans. And the lyrics um, in this song, they go like this. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Help me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. I've been praying that when you hear these lyrics in a moment, the Lord's going to begin to calm in your soul the storm. Even before he starts to calm the storm of your circumstance, like he did for me and for other people. Because our God has done something magnificent. I don't know how else to say it, but the Lord has taken me someplace that my feet would have never gone on their own and made me stronger made my faith stronger in his presence he did it for others he, he did it for Rachel who I know now has a lifetime of faith that's different than it would have been without that healing so I ask the question what is it for you what storm do you find yourself in where the pieces don't fit they don't make sense and the waves are crashing over your boat, boat side, the sides of your boat. And I want you to know that there are purpose in your storms. God will take you deeper than your feet will ever take you. And your faith will make you stronger in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ.